This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So I am recording this the day after the lottery happened, so it is Wednesday for me. Um, Reacting to the lottery, I mean, I wasn't really expecting too high of – I didn't have too high of hopes going into it. I mean, being a Pacers fan, I knew we were projected somewhere high up, but um, we fall back one. We get a number six pick. Pistons fall all the way out of the top four in a top five which if you don't know, the top four has the same amount of odds for a number one pick, so pretty surprising. But um, I don't know. The lottery for me, it's just one of those things where why do we have all this fanfare for it? I mean, I understand there's been there's been plenty of moments in the lottery where it's like, oh, my, this needs to be televised all the time. But it's kind of like, man, it's just... It takes five minutes to do it. You do 20 minutes of interviews, then there's another five minutes for commercials. And it's just like, can you just tell me who has the number one pick? Like, let that drama play out on itself. So, I don't know. We're going to talk about stuff like that. I have um, interesting moments from Lottery's Pass, a tweet that the Pacers put out that I was kind of confused by, and then NBA player comparisons, which is always fun to look back at. So let's go ahead and jump into it. So there's a couple moments that stick out in a lot of people's memories when they think of the lottery. Um, ones that come out to my mind immediately is Patrick Ewing, 1985. Everyone knows, hey, whoever gets the number of picks is going to go to Patrick Ewing. And then there's the whole frozen envelope situation, and it's just... I, do, I don't know what to tell you about it. I mean, it could have happened. We don't know. But just one of those things where it's just... A lot of it is just interesting to look back at and when you watch if you if you haven't seen it go back and watch it it's on youtube but um all the thing where it's like yeah the envelope may have been frozen but there was a bent corner on that envelope it's like well how would you know if it was just a bent corner that's just a coincidence well the envelope was frozen so he knew which one it was and it it just so happened to work out that way if patrick ewing if the pacers won that pick no one's thinking of a frozen envelope situation which they had they were i think they had the second pick that year that was when they picked um uh oh why am i drawing a blank oh um was it wayman tisdale i think it was let me make sure yep first pick second row Second pick, first round, second overall, 1985 draft. Patrick Ewing, then Wayman Tisdale, which, I mean, Tisdale averaging 15 points a game for his career. Not terrible. 50% field goal percentage of flat zero for three-pointers. He was all right. I mean, he played until 97. But, um, yeah, you definitely want Patrick Ewing in that situation over... Wayman Tisdale, but it's just because Patrick Ewing was the best thing in college basketball by far. Like a ton of press all around that Georgetown team, and Patrick Ewing is the center of attention. And there's an opportunity to put him in uh, the league's biggest market, also known as New York, where you know 
he goes there, he becomes a star, and everyone knows what the league is, and the late and the Knicks become relevant again, which makes the league happy, makes pretty much everyone happy at that point. It's just one of those things where I cannot tell you, but I've heard stuff where it's like stuff probably happened where some odds were favored in that. I'm not 100% sure what that was, but it's also, when you think about it, it's all rumors, but when you think about it, it's like, I remember Bill Simmons said this, where he's like, well, no, if this is actually real, then like, the NBA commits fraud. <laughs> like, it's, it's an actual crime to do that. So, you don't really get what the gain is in that, because obviously if you get caught, you go to jail. Not even jail, like, prison. But, um, yeah, one of those things where, yeah, that's one that's one that always sticks out to me when it comes to lottery. Also, um, just times where picks have jumped up when once they installed the odds into that. Because that 85 draft, the Knicks could have been the 10th pick for all they did, for all they cared. Because it was just envelopes in a big old kind of, um... When you have when you're playing bingo, it's like that roll cage, kind of that. Except it's a giant plexiglass one. It was basically that. So everyone had the same odds. Then they installed odds, and saying that, all right, whoever had the worst record, you have this pick. Whatever you have this amount of odds for the number one pick. Then it goes to the ping pong balls, and then it's like, oh my god, the ping pong ball is gonna bounce in my way. It's like, no, not really. It's kind of gonna stay chalk. For the most part, there's been a couple times where it's really shocked a lot of people. Number one one for me is, like, the Derrick Rose pick. The Bulls had the eighth best odds of winning number one pick. And just so happens they get their golden child from Chicago, <laughs> Derrick Rose, who was a star in high school at Simeon High, at Simeon Prep, and... You know, he goes on to be MVP for the Bulls and all that. Perfect story. Um, the Kyrie Irving pick. The Cavs lucked out when they traded Baron Davis to the Clippers for just some random pick. And that pick just so happened to be the number one pick as soon as LeBron comes. Well, not he didn't come back right after that, but I mean, Kyrie's the main reason why LeBron went. And, uh... Yeah, just insane kind of stuff like that. Uh, people were kind of curious of the Cavs pick during the Andrew Wiggins year where it was rumored LeBron might come back to the um, Cavs, but he needs he wants Kevin Love. What does Kevin Love have? have to, what do the Cavs do to get Kevin Love? They have to trade number one pick, Andrew Wiggins. So just stuff like that, people kind of question. Another one that I remember very recently is the whole Zion lottery, right? Everyone is saying, man, if if you get this guy, he changes the whole franchise around. Which, it's kind of worked out for the Pelicans so far. In a way. Because whenever Zion walks, I mean, the entire media is surrounding him and wondering, oh my god, is he going to come back? Is he going to come back? I don't know what's gonna, going on here. I don't know. It's weird. The whole and people are like, it's it's the front office. Zion is doing a double between the legs windmills in warmups, and you're like, okay, like 
I understand, like, that's kind of a lot of workload for him, but, I mean, playing 30 minutes, 35 minutes, that's a lot more workload than seeing one dunk in warm-ups. Anyway, and everyone's saying, oh, my God, the Knicks are going to win it. When the Knicks win it, they're trading the pick to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. Kyrie and KD are going to come. It's going to be awesome. And with the third pick... The owners of the third pick are the New York Knicks. And everyone loses their mind. Just because the Knicks were truly awful. Like, they were trying to get this. And everyone's saying, oh, we're getting this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Which they still do to this day. If there's anything in the NBA rumor mill, someone is making a, someone's photoshopping a Knicks jersey onto a random player. I've seen them all. Donovan Mitchell, oh my god, he's going to come back to the Knicks after this year. Okay, kind of weird, but could happen. I doubt it because no one wants to go to the Knicks. Damian Lillard, oh, we're going to go to the Knicks. He denied the Lakers. He's coming to New York. Why? <laughs> like, why? And the whole Zion Lowry just people. There's like an entire like five-minute video on from ESPN's YouTube channel. Of just Knicks fans reacting to them getting the third pick. It's like, haven't they suffered enough? Like, can you not put a camera and a mic in their face during this time? But, I don't know. It's, it's somehow worked out for them. I think R.J. Barrett's going to be a solid player. I mean, if they got the first pick, who knows if Zion is injured or not? We have no idea. I almost think that this kind of injury for Zion was almost inevitable. Just because... It's a lot of weight and a lot of athleticism on that body for something not to go wrong. And, I don't know, I think he's just, it's it's tough because when I was in high school and Zion was a freshman in college, I had said, I don't think Zion's going to be that good. And people were like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, okay, look. The guy can not, he can barely shoot. Like, when he would hit a three, everyone would go crazy because you guess what? Everyone knew he couldn't shoot. And he couldn't shoot consistently even when he did make shots. And I'm just like, this is not the kind of guy that's going to take the NBA by storm. You know? He's going to be good for, this is me saying this now. I didn't really put this justification on then. The shooting was my justification, but now it's like, obviously, you get him, you're going to get a million followers on Twitter in a day. What is it, What is he going to do to win? Couldn't even win in college. In which, I know that winning in college is not the only thing that matters translating the NBA, but that Duke team had a lot of NBA talent on it and they couldn't get out of the elite eight losing to michigan state and um was it mcquade that guy who shot them out of the building it's like guys if you're gonna talk the talk you better walk the walk especially when you almost lose to ucf who literally only had taco fall but yeah aubrey dawkins uh bj davis not bj davis um it was B.J. Davis's son. I gotta look up this team now. Um, 
Yeah, when you almost lose to them on a last-second uh, shot almost being tipped in by Aubrey Dawkins, you're kind of uh, you're kind of on the ropes there for B.J. Taylor. Wait a minute. Who is he the son of? I thought he was a son of someone. I know Aubrey Dawkins is Johnny Dawkins' son. Okay. Well, B.J. Taylor, they were all right. Him and Dawkins were all right. But, like, it was Taco Fall's team. I mean, he was the one that took... If there's anyone that can get more followers on an account than Zion Williamson just by featuring him, it's Taco Fall. Just because everyone's mesmerized by him. He's seven foot five. I mean, I don't know if he's that great at basketball just because we've seen so many people who are that height and they get by, you know, where it's just just a lot of attention drawn towards them. I mean, when they lost, when they almost lost to UCF and then they lose to Michigan State, you're like, what is this team? Who are these guys really? Like, honestly. Because that's where a lot of stuff came in saying, I hey, I was watching those Duke games, and do you know that Cam Reddish just stands in the corner the whole time? And just start, it starts looking at everyone, because Zion, like, kind of took away the attention from all the other guys. And people were saying, oh, yeah, they're, talent, they're talented, whatever. They, get, they can make an NBA. And then it's like, wait a minute, Cam Reddish just stood in the corner for 30 minutes a game? I don't know what that's about. Just because it wasn't his team, but I mean, still one of those things. I don't know. So, those are some of the best moments that come to my mind when I think of um, the lottery. Just because, I get it, anything can happen, but why does it have to be a half-hour show and... You get some analysis in there. I like the... Sure, analyze all you want. But at the same time, having the top three picks just show up <laughs> to the lottery, just do one interview and then leave, kind of weird, in my opinion. Maybe maybe you do the lottery first. Just hear me out here. I don't know if this works, but, you know, hear me out. You do the lottery, like, first thing. Maybe you do like a couple introductory stuff, but you do the lottery first thing. Then, once you dictate the order, you can decide, hey, if you were to just think off the top of your head, what would you, who would you think would go number one now that we know the team that's first? Because guess what? These teams have different needs. Oh, I know. Big shocker. But I don't know. They make a whole thing out of it. And it's just, guys, it's a dude pulling cards out of envelopes all because of ping pongs. All because of ping pong balls. Where it's just like, come on. And also, it started, that started at 8 o'clock and pushed the, the playoff game, the Eastern Conference Finals, back to 8.30. How about you slot in... I don't know. That's just an idea. You slot in the lottery, I don't know, 7, 7.30. And then the playoff game starts at 7.30 or 8 instead of 8.30. I just... 
I don't know. I don't know how much. How is that helping you gain viewers? Because I barely watch the whole thing. I know there's people that don't really watch that much basketball until this time of year. And not even like just in the playoffs. Like they don't watch until conference finals. They probably won't even watch till the finals. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, we'll start it later. Why? It's in Miami. It's like, <laughs> it's all in the Eastern time zone. It's not like, it's not like you're, it's the Dallas series right now. It's the Dallas Warriors series where the game starts at 10 o'clock. That makes sense because it's 7 o'clock there. I don't know. I really don't know. But, yeah, that's my thoughts on the lottery. Uh, I got a couple more things here. The Pacers, after they won the number six pick, tweeted out a picture of Larry Bird saying former number six pick. And my thing is just, um, why was that needed? I understand, yes, like, Larry Bird is Indiana's golden child. I understand that. He's Indiana's number one son. He didn't play for you. He coached for you and was in your front office. Did not play for you at all. If anything, embarrassed your team when he played. And I get it. He brought, he was the coach during the great runs of the Indiana Pacers. But good lord, why tweet that out? Because he didn't play for you. All of it, some of his best moments are against the Pacers. Like when he fractures his cheek. Then he comes out and scores and wins a game. There's a story with Chuck Person on Christmas Day. If you haven't heard that story, look it up. It's honestly kind of funny. But, um, I don't know. It's just, why tweet that out? And my number one thing is like, who else has been picked number six? Because it's like not that. Because even at number one, you have a pretty good hit and miss rate. Imagine what it is for number six. And I understand the draft. It's a completely different science almost where it's just. You don't know who's going who's going to be good. Who's going to step up. Who's not. There's been good undrafted players. There's been good players taking the second round. Desmond Bain took the league by storm this year. He was the 30th pick. I get it. But if you look at all the number one six, all the number six picks, it's not that impressive. And I don't know why um, I was going to do this on basketball reference, but for some reason, whenever you go to a draft and you click the number six, like, hey, I want to look at all the number six picks in NBA history, which I was able to do before. Now it's under stat head. So now I'm going to have to buy stat head because I really do like looking at those. But anyway, if we go and look at all the number six picks, I'm not going to run through them all. I'm just going to read off ones that I recognize. Starting in the 50s, 1954, Red Kerr is a name I recognize. I don't really know anything about him. I just know the name. 1960, Lenny Wilkins, someone who I think is known more for his coaching career, but was a really good player. Um, Let's see here. 70s. We've already moved in the 70s. Downtown Freddie Brown, 1971. Solid player. 
Lionel Hollins, I know him as a coach. Adrian Dantley is a really good one, a very good scorer. Just could do about anything on the court. Uh, kissed the ball before he shot free throws, so there's that. Larry Bird, 1978, obviously. Orlando Woolridge, um, I just know him because he went to Notre Dame. Uh, not that, not that interesting. Trent Tucker, Minnesota. He'll only be known because of the Trent Tucker rule, where you have if there's point eight seconds on the. Yeah, if there's point eight seconds on the clock, if it's less than point eight seconds, you physically cannot get a proper shot off. You have to tip it in. Uh, Russell Cross, Purdue. I mean, I'm a Purdue guy, but I never heard of this guy until I started going through. There's this old website, My NBA Draft. And I would go through every draft, and I would talk with my dad, and I would ask him about different players. And I was like, this guy from Purdue is number six. And, like, there's nothing that great about him. Joe Klein, I mean, I only know him because he was on the Celtics. I didn't even know he was on the Bulls until the last dance. And I'm like, wow, Joe Klein looks like he could be in Goodfellas. Like, I'm serious with that. <laughs> like, he looks just like, he sounds just like it, which is weird because he went to Arkansas. Is this even the right Joe Klein? It has to be right. Yeah, it definitely is. He's from Colorado Springs, Colorado. He went to Notre Dame, then transferred to Arkansas. Uh, went to high school in Missouri. This makes no sense. But if you if you know, if you remember the last dance and Joe Klein being in it, you know what I'm talking about, though. Uh, Kenny Smith, look, Kenny's an alright player. Has a couple championships. No one knows who Kenny is without inside the NBA. And I'm sorry, I really, I hate to say that just because I love Kenny Smith a lot on the show. But man, if he wasn't a part of TNT and Turner, you wouldn't know who he is. That's a fact. I remember my first things with Kenny Smith, he was on Open Court. Open Court was like the best show I've ever seen. Having all these legends talk about basketball for an hour. What more could you want? But if it wasn't for Kenny being on there and being on Inside the NBA, I wouldn't know who he was. And that's like, I'm just being honest. Just because one of those things where you really, you really don't. You don't care about him unless he was on the show. And I hate to say that because it's, but it's just the way people is. People would not care about Kenny Smith if he wasn't on the show. I don't know. Just one of those things. But he was number six overall pick. Hersey Hawkins. Solid, but not great like Larry Bird. Um, Let's see here. Uh, we're going to the 90s. Calvert Chaney. I mean, he went to Indiana. Not that great of an NBA career. Bryant Reeves, big country. Yeah, that's that's a number six overall pick for you. Like he, t he took, like, he was just important to the media. I mean, he was an all right player and all. I don't even think he made an all-star team. Let's see here. Bryant Reeves. He played five years in the league. 95-96, all-rookie. For his career, he averages 12.5 points, 7 rebounds. 
47% for the field. He averaged 16 points two years in a row and then dipped <laughs> right after that. He went in his second and third year, 16, and then 10, 8, 8. So, yeah, people will be like, oh, man, big country. But it's like, yeah, he wasn't that great. Antoine Walker was all right. Um, I think he made, did he make all-star teams? I cannot think for life of me right now. Okay, three-time all-star, 2006 champ, 96, 97, all-rookie. Not terrible, but again, you're looking for Larry Bird types, not it. Um, Robert Tractor Trailer <laughs> was number six. Um, he got traded for Dirk Nowitzki, so there's that for you. Uh, Wally Zerbiak, I think he's known more for his name than I think his ability on the court. Uh, 2000s, Shane Battier, pretty good. He was good at Duke, but just he was a solid NBA player. Chris Kamen, the caveman, um, the worst, not the worst. Well, like, when you think of the 2003 draft, you're not thinking Chris Kamen, obviously. Let's see, 2006, Brandon Roy. This one would be a good one if... Uh, he didn't get injured. If Brandon Roy did not get injured, we're talking all time, like Hall of Famer. I'm telling you, go back and watch Brandon Roy highlights. He was nasty. Uh, Danelle Gallinari, he's all right. Johnny Flynn, <laughs> I felt so bad. I mean, that's the Timberwolves for you, drafting two point guards before Stephen Curry. Ricky Rubio at five, Johnny Flynn at six, Steph at seven. Um, <laughs> I thought Johnny Flynn was gonna be good, but this is before like I was like watching watching basketball. I was just I would look through magazines and only watch Purdue games. Johnny Flynn was all over those college basketball magazines. And I'm like, this guy's gotta be good. But did work out. Twenty tens, twenty twelve, this is the best one. Damian Lillard, NBA 75th member. Uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. If he made the 75th team, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, Very good. Rookie of the year that year. This is the closest I can get to, like, here's a good number six pick. Um, Now I'll just go up the list because these are names that are more recognizable by everyone. Nerlens Noel, 2013. Eh, not... I remember when he announced that he was going to Kentucky, he put it, he uh, shaved it in his hair because that was like the one thing everyone talked about. Oh, no one's Noel, he's like 7'4 with the hair or whatever. And they put the logo in his head. Um, And then that year they lost to um, Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Marcus Smart, 2014. He's good now. But Larry Bird, Damon Lillard level? No. Just one MVP. Not MVP. Oh, my God. Not MVP. Defensive Player of the Year. God, I'm an idiot. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein? No. Not that great. Buddy Heald. Trying to break through. I mean, he's with the Pacers now, but he's trying to break through. Jonathan Isaac? People thought he was going to be better. Mo Bamba? People thought he was going to be better. Jarrett Culver? 
just people. He hasn't. It's tough because I want to say he hasn't had the chance yet, but he kind of has had the chance. So just one of those things where um, it's got. I mean, this year averaging three and a half points for his career, averaging six point six. Rookie year averaged nine point two, so that's not bad. But he's been dipping and dipping and dipping and just less and less games. Not looking good for Jarrett Culver. 2020, the sixth pick was on Yeko Kongwu. They haven't had time to to show himself or prove himself yet. Number six for 2021, Josh Giddy. Not bad. But doesn't seem like he's going to be Larry Bird caliber. Yeah, so... um. I don't know what that was all about. Again, I understand why you're putting it out there. He's from Indiana. Everyone knows Larry Bird. If you're a Pacers fan, you know Larry Bird. But um, don't don't do this to yourself because the internet is so they the internet remembers everything, and someone will go back and find this, find this tweet, and clown you relentlessly for the rest of time. Because this guy that you pick, don't know who it's going to be, probably won't be Larry Bird Caliber. I hate saying that, but um, when you're talking about someone who changed the game of basketball forever, and uh, someone who's incredibly important to the game, yeah, um, I think you're going to shoot yourself in the foot here. And the last thing I want to talk about was um, this whole NBA comparing these college players to NBA players. I get it. It gives people context saying, hey, this is what this guy could be. But my God, you got to stop with just naming all-star and Hall of Fame players. Because I've been saying this since probably November. Based on body type, body type alone, I don't know nothing. I don't care nothing about skill level, nothing. Because if I start comparing players based on skill level, I am going. It's not going to work out well for me. Based on body type, Chet Holmgren is Kevin Durant. The skin when he when Kevin Durant came to the league, the skinny arms, the shot, the way he shoots, the way that he can move, and all that. Based on his body. It's Kevin Durant. Now, I'm watching the lottery last night, and someone's saying, Jabari Smith reminds me of Kevin Durant. And you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? It's like, stop, 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 stop saying this. Please, because when has this ever worked out for someone? Oh, and by the way, um, after they mentioned that he's like Kevin Durant, um, I think it was Malika Andrews said, um, well, you know, if you're mentioning the same breath as Kevin Durant, you're pretty good. I'm like, no, you're not. You, we've heard this before. You remember Bruno Caboclo, the Brazilian Kevin Durant? I didn't think so because, I mean, if you if you follow basketball closely, you know Bruno Caboclo. That's literally what they called him, the Brazilian Kevin Durant. And guess what? Um, I don't know. He played three seasons in the league. Let's just take a look. 
Bruno, Caboclo. He played in 2021 for the Rockets, played six games. How is he still? <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was nicknamed the Brazilian Kevin Durant. And you're like, what are you, why? Why would you, why would you say that? Playing in Toronto for three years, let's see, first career is averaging 4.2 points per game. Not terrible, but uh, if you look at Kevin Durant's numbers, um, yeah, not that great. Uh, almost three rebounds a game, 2.6, and .7 assists. Yeah, just, um, he averaged eight points per game in Memphis in 2019, playing 34 games and only starting 19 of them. That's, that's not even the COVID season. That's 2018-19. Oh my God. So he padded his stats. Averaging eight points a game in thirty-four games, that—that's why he's up to four point two points per game. Okay, that explains it for you. Bruno Caboclo, Brazilian Kevin Durant. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, stop comparing guys to Hall of Fame caliber players. It's like, sure, I understand. Like, for some people that they do go on, and it's like, hey, this guy has a ceiling of so and so, who's not a Hall of Famer. And it's like, hey, it's kind of rude. Why don't you give a guy a chance? It's like, okay, then stop comparing them to players all. Maybe compare them to current players. And I understand, like, well, I mean, Kevin Durant's a current player. A current player who's not projected to be in the Hall of Fame and considered someone who's not in the conversation for best player on earth, maybe compare them. Don't compare them. That's just, I think that's fair. Let's leave them off the, off the list. But just stop. And um, I found this article from Fadeaway World. It's the, um, let me scroll to the top. The worst NBA draft comparison of scouting reports of all time. The first um, few is just bad scouting reports, which, I mean, they happen. I mean, that's not um, unique to basketball whatsoever. But, um. It's the comparisons that always kill me. Because the one I started out with was Dwayne Wade was compared to Gilbert Arenas. In which, in 2003, that's kind of a, it's probably a shot. Like, at Dwayne Wade saying, like, not going to be that good. Apparently, they said he could be a, quote, future star whose ceiling was Gilbert Arenas. Now, he's a three-time champion. Future Hall of Famer, best player in Miami Heat history, a scoring champion, finals MVP, 12-time All-Star, and three-time All-Defensive. <laughs> what is this? Also, according to an unnamed Easter Conference scout, he wasn't even 6'3", and Marquette was lying about his height. <laughs> according to scouts, Dwayne Wade should have been taken 12th or 11th, 11th or 12th overall. Thought he was a gamble and only should be drafted if he was converted to a point guard. Yeah. Um, I think Gilbert Arenas honestly isn't that far off. 
we're being honest, obviously he exceeded it. But I mean, that's the kind of um, comparison. I'm like, okay, I'm all right with that, honestly, because like, Gilbert Arenas, I mean, he was really good in, in the league for their couple years. But um, if you don't know what happened, Gil with Gilbert Arenas, that's a story for another time. Um, moving on, Christoph Porzingis compared to Andrea Bargnani. Again, I don't hate this, honestly. When Porzingis declared for the draft, NBA most NBA insiders didn't even know who he was. Apparently, scouts didn't have a clue either, as they thought he was the new Bargnani and not a good shooter and not strong enough to defend centers, being a shooting guard and a body of a big man. Um, I feel like this is what we all say with Europeans. Like, Everyone always says, oh, Europeans are soft. And it's just a soft Euro and all that. But it's like, people will come over from Europe and will torch the game. Like, Dirk is a good example. Luka, a very good example right now that's happening. We do this all the time. I think it's just biased towards what we've seen before. And I mean, if you look at Porzingis now... Is it really that far off? I don't know. It's up to you. Uh, Tyson Chandler was compared to Kevin Garnett, which, what, that was 2002. So Kevin Garnett was seven years in the league, so he's already a perennial all-star and probably MVP. Yeah, kind of tough on that just because... It's, it's like comparing players to MVPs is not a good thing to do just because I think some players, they'll look at those and go, oh man, well, if they think that, I mean, I'm set. And it's like, no, you still have to work for it. I mean, you really do. And Tyson Chandler is someone who is looked, I think he's looked upon a lot friendlier than what people would think based on him being on this list. Just because I don't, without Tyson Chandler, the Mavericks don't win that 2011 championship. They needed that defensive anchor inside, someone to grab boards. And it saved his career. He got tons of money off of that. And he deserved it just because... You need a guy like him to win a championship. You really do. And I, like, 2011, that was, like, kind of a transition period. We haven't truly gotten to spread out offense yet. But, I mean, Dirk is the perfect definition of a stretch four. And you needed Tyson Chandler inside to counteract it. You really did. So that one, it's a mild one. Um... Kwame Brown, Carl Malone, and Chris Webber. Okay. Um, that's just it. It doesn't mention anything about it. It's a Michael Jordan slander. But um, I don't. Here's the thing with Kwame and Tyson Chandler. 
this is the main thing I want to talk about. Um, so when the Wizards have number one pick in 2002, or was it? It was 01, wasn't it? Kwame? It was definitely 2001, just because Phil let me uh, search. Yeah, 2001. Uh, Kwame was first, Tyson Chandler second, which the real winner is uh, Pau Gasol at three. So the Wizards have number one pick. Michael Jordan is the GM. He has the final say on the pick. And um, instead of doing, you know, proper scouting, Michael Jordan makes Tyson Chandler and Kwame Brown 1v1 for who's the number one pick. <laughs> Kwame wins, obviously. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. He's known as one of the worst number one picks ever. People say he's the biggest bust ever. I still think it's uh, Michael Oluwakande just because um, I've done an episode on busts before. But no, no, Michael Oluwakande should not have been in anyone's draft board for at least the first 20 picks. And he goes number one. So for Kwame, and again, this is all hindsight of 2020, but also... When you compare Kwame Brown to Karl Malone, who at the end of his career is third in scoring, known in one of the better tandems we've ever seen in NBA history, up there in assists as well, the mailman, and then Chris Webber, who is a Hall of Famer now, and someone who at that point in 2001 was probably the best, fighting for the best power forward in the league. Um, Stop, please. Uh, Adam Morrison being compared to Larry Bird, just terrible, terrible, terrible. Adam Morrison took uh, America by storm at Gonzaga, just putting up ridiculous scoring numbers. And again, I think this goes to the point where it's like, if Gonzaga's in a real conference, I don't think that happens. Like the WCC, not that great of a conference. Did an episode on that also, but um, taken with a third overall pick by Charlotte Scouts thought Morrison was a special talent and like a coach on the floor, and an effortless shooting stroke and vast offensive repertoire. Just please stop comparing people. To Hall of Famers. And that point, 2005, or was it? Had, if we look up Adam Morrison, 2006, with the third pick. Uh, I mean, 2006 wasn't that great of a draft to begin with. I mean, the top 10, you have Bar- Andre Bargnani, LaMarcus Aldridge, Adam Morrison, Tyrus Thomas, Sheldon Williams. Brandon Roy, Randy Foy, Rudy Gay, Patrick O'Brien, Muhammad Sine with J.J. Redick just outside of number 11. Um, yeah, when you have really only two good players in your top 10, not that great of a draft, but with those words, how does Adam Morrison not go number one? Because of like, if I hear Larry Bird, I'm like, oh my God. But also, um, 
what people think. They're probably like, this guy's not Larry Bird at all. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, these are supposed to be the number one scouts in the country. Like, in the world. Like, these guys are determined as better talent evaluators than anyone. And they get it wrong more than anyone. Now, that's what you do when you stick your neck out there saying, I'm a scout for an NBA team. But you have to get stuff right majority of the time. And obviously, they get stuff right because they would be fired if they didn't. But just one of those things where it's like, town evaluation is an imperfect science. And people go into it expecting to be a Mel Kuyper, which Mel Kuyper is kind of wrong a decent amount, which it have it comes with being in the game. But just why, 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 why compare these players? Just say here's what he does good, here's what he does bad. If you want to compare it to a current NBA player, it would be this person. Not everyone is a Hall of Famer. You can't have a draft with three Hall of Fame caliber players in it. Sometimes you can. It's like 1984 or 2003. But guess what? That doesn't happen as much as people think. It's 84, 96, 03. Those are the drafts where people are like, okay, there's a bunch of Hall of Famers in here. And finally, to end them off, the absolute worst NBA comparison you could ever ask for Deshaun Stevenson being compared to, drumroll please, none other than Michael Jordan. I don't even know how you like land on that. Like The fact that you even think, hey, this guy could be Michael Jordan, you're automatically wrong. There's just no way around it. And it's not even like, oh, they were kind of wrong. No, they were dead wrong. Just, I don't know. According to, I'll read the article. According to scouts, Sean Stevenson was supposed to be, quote, the next Michael Jordan, a, quote, very advanced shooter that could play both guard spots. Uh, according to NBADraft.net, this is what they saw in Stevenson before he declared for the draft. Strengths. Special player. Extremely gifted athlete. Great ball handler. Very advanced shooter and scorer for his age. A showstopper. Can play the one or two. Won a McDonald's high school dunk contest. That's a strength. Uh, super character. As NBA ready as any high school player in his class. Okay, winning a dunk contest is... <laughs> that's a strength. Oh my god. Winning a dunk contest. Spud Webb has won a dunk contest in the NBA. Like, absolute... People who will never see, like, more than 10 minutes in a game have won the NBA dunk contest. And look, some of the greatest of all time won dunk dunk contests. Jordan, Neek, uh, Dr. J... But come on, he won a dunk contest. He won a Mc, He won the high school dunk contest. Oh my god, this is how I thought when I was like twelve years old. 
or like 13 whenever when like Grayson Allen won the um it wasn't the McDonald's one it was it's down in Florida it's I think it was like the CBS um CBS Sports like All-Star game or something like that. He won both the dunk contest and the three-point contest. So I'm like, "Oh, oh my god. He's going to be insane." Yeah, let's look at Grayson Allen now. I mean, he's on a he was on a playoff team this year. Um but he's n- more known for just being a dirty player. But he won a high school dunk contest. That's a strength. And okay. And this is what they said after the comparison went viral. Um, June 25th, 2015 edit scouting report and comparison to, to greatest of all time were written while Stevenson was in high school and assumed to be headed to Kansas lesson learned. They spelled lesson wrong. I don't know if that's the article or the actual, um, source lesson learned. Never compare anyone to Michael Jordan. This was 2000. The site was just getting started. So watch a, go watch a tape of Stevenson in high school. He was incredible. One of the most spectacular 17-year-old wings you could ever see. Not going to college had a catastrophic effect on him. It seems everyone enjoys discrediting our expertise by bringing up the year 2000 Deshaun Stevenson comparison to MJ. We never went back and changed his comparison after it was originally made. Apologies to MJ. Hey, the sports leader, the quote sports leader, compared Marshawn Brooks to Kobe Bryant just a few years ago. The other large NBA draft site compared Greg Paulus to John Stockton. Nobody wants to bring that up. I'll bring it up now. I don't, yeah, uh, credit to Fadeaway World for finding this and actually putting this in here. Just because, yes, there's bad comparisons everywhere. And I'm assuming the, quote, sports leaders, ESPN, I like to call them the worldwide, the worldwide leader because... It's just a dig, you know, but, um, yeah, Marshawn Brooks and Kobe Bryant, not good at all, obviously, and, um, yeah, he never made it close, never made close to even making it. Greg Paulus to John Stockton, I don't even know Greg Paulus played a game in the NBA. If you don't remember Greg Paulus, he was at Duke, and, uh, he did, he is not in the NBA, uh, database, not in the basketball reference database. I'll find his college stats, though. Greg Paulus. Um, all High school All-American. 07-08 All-ACC. ACC All-Freshman. 2006 All-ACC Tournament. He averaged five points per game in his senior year. After averaging 11 in his freshman sophomore year. No, sorry, sophomore junior year. I mean, Greg Paulus was like one of the best on his team in, like, let's go to the 06 season. 06 07. He's kind of one of the best on the team. I mean, they had Demarcus Nelson, who was, okay, Josh McRoberts, <laughs> who. Man, uh, he was supposed to be way better than that. He went to Carmel. He's from Carmel, Indiana. John Shire, Greg Paulus, Gerald Henderson, David McClure, Lance Thomas, Brian Zubek. A lot of names that jump out to you, but, um, yeah, not that great. And especially for someone who didn't even make the league. 
comparing him to John Stockton. That's impressive. It really is impressive. I don't know how exactly you do that. That's very impressive. So, with that, that'll be it for um that whole segment. Just um stop comparing people to Hall of Famers and the greatest of all time. Which these people have learned from, others have not. So, um Yeah. I mean, just and you'll see like everyone's grasping at straws just be like hey I think that he has somewhat of a uh, Damian Lillard jump shot and you're like dude just say he's not just say he's not going to be that great there's nothing wrong with saying I don't think this player is going to be that good because if you put out a comparison saying hey this guy reminds me of just a random player like Malcolm Brogdon say he reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon that's his ceiling that guy's gonna want to work harder, and he's gonna he's gonna work as hard as he can to become a Hall of Famer and prove you wrong. And if you're wrong in that sense, sure, people might be like, "What were they thinking?" But it's really like the right thing to do. So with that, that will be it for this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dieverhard00, and we will talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.